Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the European Presidential Debate. I am Captain Carrot, and tonight I am joined by candidates Calvin Coolidge and Common Sense Politics. Unfortunately, Kaboom is unable to join us directly. He may pop in, he may not, but anything we do ask will be posited to him so he can answer. All right. So, as everyone knows, this Friday is the next presidential election deciding who gets to be in charge. Well, gentlemen, <laughs> shall we have at it? Let's do it. Let's, let's start. Let's start with a nice, warm, humorous, uh, humorous warm-up question. I, I I know a bit about both of you, so uh, why should either of you be president? If neither of you went to Georgetown, <laughs> you're you're going to have to prompt us on who to answer first. I yeah, Calvin, <laughs> well, let's go with Calvin. <laughs> okay. So this is true. I did not attend Georgetown, yet I am seeking the highest office in European politics. To many of you, this will be two two incompatible forces colliding, and I cannot fault you because they are. Georgetown experience and sweater vests in my uh, panda fur personality and the fact that I uh, am still around to post unlike Georgetown Mr. himself so <laughs> all of these three reasons uh, as a, and maybe some others that you'll hear later are good enough for me <laughs> CSP yeah, well, I would um, I would boldly assert that no European president has ever been Georgetown educated, um, which I think is indicative of the inferiority of a Georgetown education. Um, I would any day prefer uh, one from the School of Hard Knocks, which I believe both myself and Calvin uh, are honors graduates from. All right. With that bit of levity out of the way... And everyone should remember hashtag Georgetown. This is a great joke and meme in Euro. Um, of course, audience, if you do have questions for the candidates, uh, please do send them in to myself or type them into Mixler chat. I'm more likely to receive them if you send them to me on Discord, uh, just because it won't disappear under a barrage of chat. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's start out with some of the simpler warm-up type questions. If you had, if you had a chance to go back to any point in the term and prevent a decision from being at uh, any point in this last term, and you had a chance to prevent a decision from being made, uh, what would you stop? Uh, shall we start with Calvin? Sure. So to preface my answer for this question, uh, I want to say that being the president of Europia is not an easy position to hold, and it's even tougher to act through all 70 days and be flawless. If we were talking about any president, there'd be something to fix. It just so happens we're talking about Aix, but if we were talking about Writing Legend or Skizzy or Maul or anybody, we'd have something to fix because nobody's perfect for 70 days, and the position of president is very high pressure. There's a lot to control for, and nobody would be perfect. With that in mind, uh, I think the 
the, the first thing I think that sticks out from this term, something I would do differently if I were president, is, I mean, the easy answer for me is to say that the free radio debacle is something that could have easily been avoided and cost uh, the administration a lot of poor press, which thing, but I think it's something that you could see from the outside that is something that the administration should have headed off from the start and could have easily avoided. Um, and I was an outsider this term. I wasn't really in the administration in the cabinet or anything like that. I was an AM and I was involved in this debate. And even there I could see that, you know, something wasn't exactly right. Um, and maybe you go back further and pick a different minister to start with. But I mean, there's too many, there's a lot of variables that we just don't know. Working relationship is obviously very important. And I know that Picto and Aix had that, so I'm not going to fault, I mean, the choice there. But this particular decision is just, when a, if a show idea comes up and you don't agree with it personally as minister of radio, you know, there's better ways of handling it than getting into a big public spat and shutting down the show on the day of that was, you know, all things considered a good show and probably should have happened. The administration took the right steps later, but you know, it costs them their minister of radio. It costs them a couple days. And now it's something that's going to be forever attached to this term is like, you know, something that act correctly by the administration. And, you know, it, it would have been a real easy fix. Done. I don't know if we need to say that. <laughs> I just want to be clear. CSP? Yeah, sure. Um, I think there are several examples one could point to, and I agree that the, the free radio situation was certainly one of them. But I think for me, um, perhaps the most major sort of um, inflection point um, was about the time that Brunhild was forced to resign. Um, just truly a devastating situation uh, for everybody involved. Um, it's hard to overstate the the space that Brunhild, um, the the space that we hoped Brunhild would fill in this administration, um, and I think that while it was certainly a unique challenge, um, and I don't want to guarantee that I or anybody else would have handled it better, um, but I think it is telling that there wasn't um, a recognition that Brunhild being the only person within that group of the president, the vice president, uh, the minister of foreign affairs with real foreign policy chops and experience um, and recognizing what a gap that was going to leave and then taking appropriate steps to fill that gap. Um, and I, th I think that having missed that opportunity uh, to do so really doomed our, our foreign policy this term to be entirely reliant on what little inertia um, was there. And I think that it's going to take uh, time and a considerable amount of work to to get back where we need to be. Uh, could I ask a question as a, to something with that? Yes. So specific about that, like, I, I agree with what the problems you pointed out of Brun having really the bulk of the foreign affairs knowledge in the administration. And once she was gone, it left a huge, huge hole. Um, once she was gone, are you saying you would have appointed a different vice president or a different foreign affairs minister? Like, like I, I know you, like the solution would be to add that foreign affairs intel, but I guess how, how would you have done that in this administration? Yeah, sure. Um, whether 
whether it was the vice president or a new minister of foreign affairs, um, I don't, I don't, I think it could have been adequately addressed through either position. Um, but I think that continuing with a greenhorn minister of foreign affairs, um, who really thus far hasn't been prepared, um, to formulate and affect foreign policy on her own, um, as well as appointing, um, a new vice president with relatively little experience, um, is, is sort of a recipe for disaster. I would have sought to fill one of those posts with someone who had the requisite experience to fill that gap that I was talking about. Okay. <laughs> Anything further? And audience, if you do have anything, if you do wish to have, if you do have any points that you wish to have uh, pursued further, do let me know. All right. So, shall we get into some of the more meaty topics then? Uh, of course, this term has, this term, let's move on to culture. I think that's a good place to start. Uh, of course, this term under Rising Legend has been fairly strong. Oh, oh I'm getting a message from Deepest House. <laughs> Alright, let's get this culture question started and I'll bring us back when... Yeah, wait, there we go. Alright, Deepest House has added... It is in relation... It is in relation to those. Uh... On the thing, do either of you feel that there is, uh, I'm not sure if this is directed at one or both of you, but I'll ask both. I suppose it is kind of useful on the grounds that it does allow one to see how you were assessing the world at the time. Uh, were there any foreign policy actions or opportunities that you feel, uh, feel were missed due to the appointment of Dark and or Karamia? Uh, CSP, since you were last talking about it. Yeah, um... You know, frankly, I feel that um, this has been a lost term in foreign affairs. So, you know, when when you ask the question, what opportunities were missed? Um, I think uh, pretty much all of them. Um, I don't feel that the administration has been actively seeking out opportunities. Um, you know, you can point to a non-aggression uh, pact as, as being the signature foreign affairs accomplishment of this administration. And I think that, you know, we can all agree that, uh, that's, that's not adequate. Um, and that's certainly not what you hope for when, when you vote for a presidential ticket. I do think that there are a great many opportunities before us, um, that we should be prioritizing right now. And among them, um, are of course, using our military to help forge relationships or at least to kickstart them. Um, my experience obviously being heavily rooted in the Navy um, is one that has taught me the enormous power of getting uh, all these people and all these stakeholders in the same place interacting with each other and working toward a common goal. And that's why I've proposed an aggressive, an aggressive schedule of military operations that will you'll see us prioritizing certain partners okay you'll see us uh restoring confidence in the future of kane by engaging our partners there um, and you'll see us focusing on more substantial targets 
um, and higher profile occupations. Another opportunity that we have failed to seize, not just in this administration, but in several administrations um, going back years, um, and that is to seize a vocal stake in nation states gameplay. Nation states gameplay is a cesspit, <laughs> but it is it is a cesspit in which the narrative, uh, the geopolitical narrative of the entire game is set. That's where players go to learn about things that have happened. Um, and frankly, our opponents um, are the ones that are most vocal there, and they're the ones that set the tone, and we do nothing to challenge them. Um, we can't propagate our brand, um, and we can't demonstrate the superiority of European values and the way we do things if we're not in there articulating um, what we want to do, why we want to do it. So that's a, that's a, a huge opportunity that we have repeatedly wasted. Um, th those are just a couple off the top of my head. All right, Calvin. Yeah, the question about how many opportunities have been missed is, yeah, something that really can't fully be answered because you don't know what you don't miss because it didn't happen, right? So this term has been very disappointing in terms of market achievements in foreign affairs. It's not to say it doesn't have any, uh, CSP has recounted that the military has been successful this term, and it has. Uh, and that is a key tool in foreign affairs outreach that uh, both me and CSP will, will use if we are president and know how to use. So that's one area. There's also the non-aggression pact, of course, that we can't ignore. Um, but beyond those two, there's not much in the traditional sense of foreign affairs we've seen from this term, um, even though this, this administration started with run in a lot of promise to train Crimea and all those things. However, moving on from those, foreign affairs doesn't stop in those areas. Um, we saw this term, some other minor successes in foreign affairs from the administration and culture, like when we had our survivor culture clash uh, event that mixed the culture of Euro and the culture of a couple of other of our friendly region mates, our other region mates from other regions, I should say, come to Euro and play games with us. And we had our anniversary festival and we had people coming in and telling you know us euro how great euro is and we advertised that to the world and that was well received so it we even had our we had our foreign updates throughout as well um those are moving back more to the traditional and you know we both csp and i both have some thoughts about the success of those particular usages of getting our message out but you know it's just to say that this term had no foreign affairs achievements would be wrong, but to say that multiple opportunities are missed is correct. We both have goals uh, that we want to achieve next term. Uh, some that, of course, I would also establishing our voice on a gameplay record. Of course, I would do that through the standard. Then uh, we, we could, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. So I don't want to delve too much into that right now because then that'll deprive you of a question later, Carrot. And uh, <laughs> We also have some areas in culture that I've proposed in my platform and uh, in foreign affairs itself through some of our points there. But that's that's pretty much where I'm at with that question. All right. Well, I suppose that's, I might as well just move on to the FA section rather than breaking up the direction we're headed in now. And I 
would like to thank Sopo for helping me out a fair bit with the FA questions, especially since he isn't able to be here due to it being way, way, way too late for him, the old man. <laughs> All right, so well, let me just check his recommended. All right, um, so uh, of course this is something that you have covered, but at the same time it's kind of <laughs> it's an interesting point uh what role should europea play in kane's continued development and as president how much involvement do you plan to have personally uh calvin right so with kane i think i should probably come out and uh say it right out of the start i haven't really been involved so much in kane really very few of us have from its inception it's been a brunt project um Right now we have Isaris and Malashan involved in it, and they're the key points of contact for Kane. Uh, beyond that, I'm going to go as deep as I can with Kane, but just, you know, bear with me uh, as I'm not fully briefed or whatever on what Kane is up to right now or those sort of things. However, to get back to the question, uh, personally, I think I, as president, I would need to have, as I would with any other foreign affairs uh, policy or directive that we are pursuing as a region. Something this important, something uh, as our stance against Nazism, is something that the president should be aware of and operating in. I mean, maybe not on a day to day basis because, you know, who knows it'll come up day to day, but they should have their finger on the pulse. And if something, so if something goes wrong in Kane, then the president should know and be able to deal with the problem. It shouldn't all be left to uh, the foreign affairs minister it shouldn't all be left to the vice president and it shouldn't be left all to the EA, the eaac all of those should be helping and they should all be a part of the process of knowing what kane has going on and knowing what we're going to do with kane but the person who drives uh you know the, the person who ultimately has a final decision on what we the region does with anything uh in terms of the administration is the president. So the president needs to know what all is going on. Uh, the, sorry, what was the first part of the question? How much, uh, what role should Europe play in Kane's continued development? Right, so Kane currently is a project between a lot of regions. Europe obviously started it and has been sort of the leader until recently when Bren had to step back um, and it's been a miss, one of many missed opportunities. Uh, Kane has been a diminished player in the world field from what it used to be and have stepped up earlier and should have said, all right, we see Kane's falling back. We see Kane is losing its influence. Let's, let, let's step up and get Kane back to where we know it needs to be, right? So when Kane, when, when we take office, whoever takes office next term looks at all the different foreign affairs projects, all the interior projects we have going on, and those sort of things, and sort of what we need to do. We'll, look, we'll take a look at Kane, and we'll say, okay, here's what's going on with Kane right now. We're in decline. All right, we have people in Euro who know what's going on in Kane. Malashan, Isaris, let's get, let's talk to them and figure out what steps Kane needs to take, what steps we have been taking in Kane that haven't worked, and then. It came back to where it needs to be because we've seen how influential Kane has been when it really works. We have huge military operations, liberations against Nazi-controlled regions, and we've we've taken those regions back 
we've fought off Nazis, right? I mean, that's pretty good goal to have and something that we shouldn't have ever really stopped and something that we shouldn't have to stop. There's also the limited role that uh, condemnations have in the game. I say limited because, you know, we're playing with fire when we're playing with those because in saying someone's bad and they're a Nazi and like the Nazi taking that as a badge and saying, yeah, I'm bad, I'm a Nazi. Look at me, everybody, right? We, we want to target those to the people that kind of are already known and or, and or target those to the people who would who would not look at that as a badge of honor. People who, oh, well, I guess I need to stop. I was just being a troll. Guys, I'm not really a Nazi, that sort of thing, right? We need to take steps that actually have meaning behind them. You know, the time for platitudes is done. The time for dealing in vague, cane, well, we'll just fight against Nazis and that'll be it, is, is done, right? Because if we don't step up this term, if Euro doesn't step up and make sure Kane sticks around, then Kane might not stick around and we have ourselves to blame, right? We know what it takes to work and we should do that. So, done. CSP. Yeah, that was, um, that was a really roundabout way of saying I don't really know. <laughs> um, which was also my first stage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with respect, of course. Um, I think that Kane is one of two of um, two premier European products um, that we have been able to forge along with our friends internationally, uh, the other, of course, being The Wall. Um, Kane is, though, more a uniquely European product. Um, and it's also a manifestation of one of our core values, uh, which is to oppose in-game fascism uh, in both word and deed. Um, obviously, the cane is more narrowly focused to the specific Nazi ideology, um, but, but those are the reasons why it's vitally important. And failure of cane um, will be seen internationally as uh, the singular failure of Europia. And that's why um, we need to make sure that the people in charge are people that understand this effort and understand um, the unique challenges it faces and, and the way forward. I think what's important to understand about Kane is it's unique in that there are a diverse pool of regions um, that are involved. And the problem we have now is convincing everybody involved that it's a worth, worthwhile thing to do because things have been a bit stagnant. So what we need to do is make sure that Europia is a driving force in making sure that more cane operations uh, are being undertaken um, and taking the lead on those operations. We also have to be continuously cultivating relationships with this diverse pool of players to make sure that we know when someone feels that maybe this isn't going to be worth their time anymore, uh, and that we need to prioritize um, you know, changing their mind about that, essentially. Um, and finally, something that we have done well is uh, ensure that the document itself um, is reflective of the current situation um, and allows us to best pursue our collective uh, commitment uh, to, to oppose what we should all agree is um, despicable activity in a game that we all care very much about. All right. Not seeing any questions from the audience about this one, so shall we move on to the next topic? Go for it. 
I think we'll start with CSP because Calvin did spend a lot of time talking. <laughs> take, take a sip of water, bro. All right. Well hydrated. <laughs> Should we prioritize outreach to less established UCRs, user-created regions, uh, and how can we best develop a long-term working relationship with such re regions, especially those that show promise but may not yet be ready for grander relations like treaties. Yeah, I, I think that whenever you see an up-and-coming UCR, uh, that presents a more attractive opportunity than than most most anything else in the realm of foreign affairs, just because they're so rare now. Um, in, I say recent years, but really for several years, you have seen the decline and the decay of the user-created region. Um, there were there were really only a few um, that have been able to create any type of sustainable success over the years, um, and a lot of the energy in the game is being sucked into the game created regions by default. Um, there are a couple of regions that I have uh, spied <laughs> uh, over the past few weeks that I think um, present uh, opportunities for more robust outreach. Um, and, and the fact that I've simply found them by, by poking around on the nation state site um, and haven't heard anything about them um, in Europia, I think, is demonstrative of the fact that we have a foreign affairs uh, team and policy that, that isn't very focused on what's going on out in, in the outside world. So it has to start um, with putting folks in place who know that it's their job to be looking for these opportunities. Um, obviously, this will be no surprise to people, and this will um, maybe become a, a broken record thing here, but I think the place to start is military cooperation. Uh, I just received a message today from uh, a leader in TUK uh, who's trying to get his region uh, back in the swing of military gameplay. Um, and obviously that they're looking to us because our relationship began uh, with a um, with the SOFA, a status of forces agreement. Um, and I think that those that that is uh, perhaps the easiest way for us to engage because, of course, we already know how to do it um, and we've done it successfully in the past. Now, that's not going to work with everybody. So I think that a super ambassador system, um, while a noble goal, um, I, I think it's it's seeking to bloat a system that doesn't need to be bloated. Um, we should have a team of folks um, as our, our deputy foreign affairs ministers. Um, and I have acknowledged that the system that we used before is not perfect, which is why I intend to expand it um, in this coming term. But I want someone specifically focused on new emerging regions um, that doesn't have to also be focused on um, other UCRs. And there will be more UCR ministers. There won't just be one um, because it's been pointed out that, you know, it, that that's too big a job for one person. So I don't think, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm reading, I'm reading Leffen. He made a naughty joke, I think. Um, so it's essentially, let's wrap this up. Uh, we need folks on the ground that are identifying who these people are and what they're interested in, and then catering the best of what we do 
to incorporate into their regions and having a personal presence there um, to offer support and to assess progress. All right. Calvin, is there any chance you're going to suggest that we burn and pillage? <laughs> well, first off, I have to say, I'll, I had I had foreign cultivation flashbacks for the last half of that answer. I don't know <laughs> if that was just me. But, so, uh, the, the thing that we have to think about with every new alliance or every new partnership that we have is, you know, go back to remember what nation states is and why we're playing this game and why other people are playing this game and why we play with other people, right? So if you're considering an alliance with anybody, uh, you have to think, well, what makes me an attractive mate, partner, insert love word. Ultimately, it comes down to what does that region do and how can we help them do it better? A lot of point in signing your name on some flashy treaty that says, you know, we're friends and we'll protect like the ideals that we both have because I mean ultimately I mean this is mostly a text-based game we have military operations that are a key portion of actually defending and <clears throat> excuse me pursuing actual ideals and we'll use that for sure if that's what the region's interested in that's why we have non-aggression packs that's why we have friendships with uh, our military partners in the Blackhawks and regions like that because they help us achieve our goals and we help them achieve their goals and carrying out these independent military operations for another region you know they don't always care about the r d game they don't care about collecting regions of world wfes sometimes they'll care about well we want to play a game and we don't have enough people right we can help them with that too that's why we have games like survivor that's why we have our weekend games every week and we have interested players we have interesting games and if you're here to have fun, then, you know, we, we can have fun with you. And we do all the time. If you want to get your word out about how great your region is and how you're working on this great project and you want everyone to know about it, well, we have Mixler, right? We have a way to literally broadcast your message to people who might be interested in hearing about it. Um, of course, we wouldn't have just straight propaganda or anything like that, but we can have discussions about things. We can talk with people and we can publish articles and all those things. We have dispatches with our great upvote squad. We have many ways of making many partners happy to work with Euro and, you know, reasons that we want to work with other regions because we have goals we want to pursue too. So when we're looking at uh, that are up and coming, we have to look at, you know, why are they up and coming? What can we help them with? And then, you know, let's make something happen. And then if it doesn't work, well, we tried our best and there's other partners out there. If it did work, great. Then we have somebody who can help us achieve our goals and vice versa. So, I mean, play the foreign affairs game. Uh, we've been slacking a bit, but, you know, we, we have all the means to get back into it and really have some success in this field. All right. Not... Is, is anyone asking questions? No. Okay. <laughs> Now, the next question I will uh, confess that I am quite ignorant at the moment of how foreign, how the Foreign Affairs Ministry works in regards to ambassadors and everything like that. So, <laughs> the, our outreach to other regions, ambassadors or uh, the deputy systems we've seen in the past, 
what are the various advantages and disadvantages and what kind of system do you see as best? And does that, I, do I start with Calvin, who just finished a really long... <laughs> uh, hey, I just want to point out, we're both given long answers here. Yeah, I'm not just yes. long, all right? I, um... Except in that one sense. Wink. <laughs> uh, Calvin, are I don't, you... I don't, okay. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'll, I can start. I don't mind going first. If, no. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's let, let, let's start with CSP. Uh, hopefully, okay. <laughs> all right. So, what what are the various advan- What are the what are the advantages and disadvantages of the various outreach systems, like ambassadors or the deputy system? And which system do you, would you prefer to pursue? And what makes you think that would be better? Sure. Um, the first thing I think that's really important to realize here is that Calvin's Calvin's particular brand of the ambassador system isn't necessarily drastically different um, from my deputy system. Um, neither one of them, or I should say, both of them represent a departure from a traditional ambassador system, which I think we both agree doesn't work and doesn't serve the stated purpose of it. Um, I am of the opinion that there should be a smaller group of deputies, um, and you can you can divide the world however you want to divide it. If it's five people or seven people or eight people, that's fine. Um, but these people um, are ones that aren't simply assistant ministers. Um, they should really be responsible. Uh, while while the Minister of Foreign Affairs is out in gameplay articulating uh, and defending our interests, these deputies are in the Discord channels. They're, they're on the forums uh, telling us who's running for what, what are they running on, are we seeing anything coming up that we should really be paying attention to and developing plans for. Um, the problem we've traditionally had is that we've depended on one person to do all of these things. Um, and that's simply something that can only be done by a couple of extremely talented players and of course isn't in any way sustainable we don't have a foreign affairs messiah in this region um, that has the time to make that kind of contribution ren is a extremely busy man um, and he, he still contributes so much in the limited time that he has and i think it's obvious that the only other player that comes to mind nes um, doesn't have the time to give that kind of commitment anymore. So we have to compartmentalize all that responsibility. Um, one person can't do it, two people can't do it, but I'm, I'm positive that six or seven people absolutely can. So I, I, I also think that it's vastly superior to say, these are the six or seven, five, six, seven folks um, that are going to be getting intensive, serious, practical foreign affairs experience during this term, as opposed to this is how we're going to try to um, provide the same for anybody who wants to get involved, which I frankly don't think is something that we can do, or it's something that we have continually failed to do. So that's where I see a a great deal of value in the deputy system that I originally came up with um, and, and was put in place under, I believe, Kraken. Um, 
I, I, I don't want a slew of ambassadors out there um, and we can say that they're doing all these things, but the facts are in the long run, they will not be doing those things. They won't get anything out of it. And there's no added value to our foreign policy capability or capacity. All righty. Uh, Calvin. CSP is right in saying that we both think the current system is not the way to go. And I think it's been clear why for this term and for many terms why that is. Uh, the ambassador system as it currently exists is whoever applies gets in, they're an ambassador, and then they can, you know, do their ambassador thing. What the ambassador thing currently amounts to, basically, is there's a foreign update, post that in your assigned region's embassies. And, uh, I mean, there's other goals there, and sometimes people do them and sometimes they don't. But ultimately, that's what the basic job of an ambassador is right now and what's being done by ambassadors as the system exists and has existed for several terms. And that's a poor excuse for what an ambassador is. And I think we all should be in agreement there that if you're going to be an ambassador for the region, then your job should be more than that. Also, we shouldn't have anybody who applies to be an ambassador be an ambassador because an ambassador is somebody who represents Europa's face abroad. And that shouldn't be just anybody who applies. You have to earn that. You have to be trusted. And you have to show that you're going to take this position seriously because the position is serious and it should have serious responsibilities. Uh, like a lot of the same sort of things that CSP said, because I mean, really, the ambassador has to say what an ambassador should be is really what an ambassador should be. So there's not a lot of difference here, but I'm going to just you know, to refresh, I guess, a review, what an ambassador should do is that they should be our eyes and ears in whatever region they're assigned to. They should be, if they can, uh, some sort of fixture in that community as somebody responsible, somebody kind, respectful, all the good things that we want you to be seen as abroad should be represented in that person by their presence in that region. We want to know what's going on there. So they tell us, and we want to know, you know, if there's anything that we should be aware of that's going on in that region that's developing that we can take action on or we can engage with them with, if, whether it's a festival or some military operation, something like that, playing games. And uh, it shouldn't be everybody, right? And we should just have a, a few people who've proven themselves through their foreign affairs training or something like that, that they have the know-how of what uh, you should what you should be when you're an ambassador, what Euro means, and putting those two together in practice so they can handle real tasks with a real position. All right. Uh, CSB, any responses or thoughts? Audience, no, any I, questions? I, I, I think that uh, both our answers uh, really demonstrate that we're not that far apart on this issue. Um, yeah. I, I think that any differences are in that system are going to be marginal or stylistic. Um, yeah. All right. On to the next question. Uh, Calvin, what's, uh, well, both of you, but starting with Calvin, uh, what are Europe's values? How and how can and should we exemplify them and spread those values? Okay. Euro is a region that, first and foremost, is an independent region, right? I think a lot of people, when we're talking about what they are 
talk about the R&D game, and that's uh, so that's where I'm going to start because that's where a lot of other people start. So we had our independent manifesto that was released a while ago, and you can look through that and see what the definition, the formal definition of independence is. You can see who signed on, and you can see the partners that represented in action, and Euro was one of them. So I'm not going to go into those details because I'm not going to just read verbatim that. Uh, but essentially, Europia has the goal of promoting our own interest and not being subject to somebody else's interest or being a puppet or saying, well, we believe in we believe in this because, well, we aren't really sure why we believe in that sort, sort of thing. But these guys tell us to, so we do it. You know, that that's not what we're about. Um, because we determine our own courses and we determine our own goals. Most obviously in our military operations, as I'm sure CSP will tell you, uh, we have a lot of operations when we're good and we don't have that many when we're not good. We use those as a chance to show Euro is strong. Euro has active citizens who care about it and tell other regions about it. We have a, we should have a vocal presence in gameplay because for the same reason we have citizens who are active about euro and want to defend it from people who say we're not good because we are good and we have many reasons and many things to back up that claim and we're going to show that abroad and we're going to partner with people who you know also run their regions in similar ways and have active citizens that we think are good too so if it's something like you know letting your citizens choose their leaders or something like that, you know, we don't, that's why we don't support coup regions, right? We, we don't want people to be forced power in power, right? Something like that. I'm not saying that we're against like monarchies or something, because obviously we have al plenty of allies that are monarchies. I meant because, I mean, obviously you join a region that's a monarchy and you know it's going to be a monarchy. So that's different. I'm saying if you join a region expecting one thing and then something else is forced on you, that's it. To clarify, I don't want to alarm anybody. <laughs> we also have, I've talked about in other ways, like culture. We have a very strong, vibrant culture in multiple ways besides the capital C, culture, ministry of culture. We have, you know, we interact with each other on Eurochat uh, because we're friends. We talk about things and that friendship is, is real, you know, as real as in internet friendships can be. And we care about each other. And that's something that, you know, a lot of regions say they have, but not, only, not a lot of regions our size really have. So we want to promote, you know, those sort of values and everything like that. Essentially, what boils down to is that Europia is a good place to be, and we've cultivated that brand for 10 plus years. People should respect Euro for that. And, you know, we need to be in the business of, you know, or, you know continuing to earn that respect abroad, here, and, and everywhere. Done. Okay. Um, I guess I, I have a different way of looking at it. Um, if the question is, what is our values? Um, independence isn't a value. Independence is how we describe ourselves. Independence is uh, a definition of the way in which we, we pursue our interests and, and act on our values. Um, and our values are rooted in our value on community and communities. Um, Europia represents um, the most dynamic, diverse um, community in the game, um, and it's it's hard to it's hard to emphasize how true that is if you haven't been in, in a lot of places. The community we have here is special, and that's why we believe in community so much. 
So there are values that are very deeply rooted in that. First off, um, we of course oppose hate speech and that is manifested in our value um, of opposing in-game fascism. We, as a core value, oppose um, efforts of certain elements in the game to dominate game-created regions um, to, to further their own worldview uh, or, or their own agenda. We maintain that bilateral relations are infinitely superior uh, to super regional alliances, which ultimately uh, sap individual communities of their own character and their own activity. Um, those are just a few. Um, and I think if you can't speak passionately about our values, um, there's no way to, uh, for that individual to determine what our interests should be um, or, or how we should best pursue them. All right, we're coming up close to the end. I trust both of you are okay with extending for a little while. Of course, yeah. Yeah. I'm All right. Started. Okay, gonna gonna end this broadcast. This part of the broadcast here. We'll be back in a minute. Just gonna go grab drinks and things. Uh, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back shortly. And we're back. Well, hopefully you can all hear me nice and loud and clear again. Uh, hello out there. What's our latency? Four and a half seconds. Okay, so everyone can hear me. All right, welcome back to the presidential debate. We'll be getting straight back into it with the final FA question, I do believe. Ah, yes, final FA question. And uh, we'll move on to the other topics that we have. Okay. Uh, starting Started with Kelvin last time, didn't we? Yeah, I think. Alright, so, should Europea make statements on important events within or between other regions, starting with CSP? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think, I think they were asking the wrong question. Um, the, the, the determination on whether you speak out doesn't have anything to do with uh, sort of the nature of the conflict. It doesn't matter if it's between two regions or... Uh, within one region or anything of that sort. Um, does the situation have something to do with uh, what we believe and what we're trying to accomplish? And if it does, then yes, absolutely. We should be heard on those issues. Um, it, it, it doesn't matter to this, this issue around sensibility of what is polite and what is not polite to poke our noses into is not a consideration for me. What matters to me is pursuing Europea's interests fiercely and assertively and eloquently. Um, and, and that's, that's going to be my focus. Calvin? I'm going to also say yes to this. I think it's something we both have hit on pretty hard in our platforms. We need to establish gameplay presence for Euro. And this is pretty much the way to do it is, you know, talk about things that are happening, be topical that happen and show that we have those values and we know what they are and that we're willing to, you know, I mean, comment on things because we know what's going on. Obviously, I'd say that we could just talk about those in depth in a standard and things like that. But uh, we could also do that through other ways with our little dispatches we have. We could have somebody who actually says, 
you know, in our embassy forum, this is going on. We've got a lot of questions about this. Here's your stance, something like that. The president can make a little statement in the golden block. There's many different ways we can do it. You know, mix of broadcast, whatever, discussions. I mean, the, the, the short of it is that when things happen in the world, you know, the world includes Euro, and Euro should remind people of that. It's like, okay, yep, we we weigh in. Obviously not for everything. I mean, I'm, we're, we're assuming that the events going on are major enough that people would expect a response from Europe, yeah, that it's worthwhile. We're not saying, oh, the delegate of TRR ate a sandwich. Good sandwich, bro. You know, I mean... That certainly would be an interesting situation to comment on. Uh, all right. Well, that was a fairly simple answer from both of you. All right, moving on to culture. Uh, so, naturally, culture has had a fairly strong term under right and legend, uh, in my opinion. So, in wider scheme, uh, what is the best way to turn a strong term to the region's advantage and are we currently in a position to make best use of strong of strong terms in culture calvin okay i will first off agree that yes this has been a good term because of writing legend and his work in culture and his staff so yes i think it is fair to say that carrot uh, the next part yeah we're definitely in a good position to take advantage of the culture that we have because we've been doing that. We will we'll continue to do it in future terms. And, you know, I dare say we'll do it better when uh, one of us is elected president. Wink. But uh, the, the thing with culture is that, I mean, we're never not in a good position to take advantage of it because we've got so many people that really care about the region, care about having fun and caring about all the different little projects that we have that really, we, we to really not take advantage of that is a big failure on the part of the administration and should be almost second nature at this point. I think there was also first part of the question that I missed. Could, could you repeat the question? I don't want to miss anything. Oh, it was a, <laughs> seems to be answering it pretty well. It's culture uh, strong term. Uh, what is the best way uh, to turn a strong term to the region's advantage? And are we in a position to make best use of such terms? Okay, so to turn it to the region's advantage, we have to I think I've said this in my answers from previous uh, questions. We have to how good we have it in Europia. So we have our dispatches for a, re a reason. We'll dispatch a lot of our weekend game scores and screenshots from different games when we have a festival going on or even something smaller than a festival like we've got a, or something going on. We've seen effective uses of a lot of those culture initiatives benefit for workout in Euro's benefit, I should say because basically anything that shows Europia in a good light and shows that we have active people and care about us is sure can extend into so many different other areas um, that currently aren't being utilized. And it's a real shame. CSP? Yeah, I think um, a, a, a large part of my culture policy um, also ties into our foreign policy. And I think that that's a theme uh, throughout much of my platform that you'll see, um, you're going to see the government working to encourage certain types of activity that we can then package and send out into the wider world that advertises what Europia does best and why our community is so unique. Um, I think both Calvin and I agree that a large 
factor in our cultural success and where a lot of the opportunities lie uh, are in the weekend games. Um, and we both um, have stated that a priority will be incorporating foreign visitors into those games. I also think that we need to go further um, by introducing uh, newer games um, on a more regular basis. Um, people absolutely enjoy Town of Salem, and I am absolutely not saying that we're getting rid of Town of Salem, but we've been playing Town of Salem for two or three years now, right? Maybe it doesn't, maybe that one doesn't need to be played every weekend. Um, I also think that a great opportunity to showcase uh, Europia's citizens is um, a reinvigorated interest in the Aurora Art Gallery and the Writer's Block. Um, over the years, we've seen that Europeans are really talented people and really creative people. Um, and, and the things that we can create uh, when, when we decide that that's what we're interested in are worth sharing with everybody else. Um, and if you've spent any time elsewhere, you know that writing um, and creative pursuits are a, a pretty common a pretty common interest in the rest of the world. So I think using uh, more contests and incorporating um, those type of activities into larger cultural um, festivals uh, in the place of spam games will be something that we can then use to either uh, compile or broadcast uh, and then push that out to other regions to help us get uh, new, even more new and creative members here to our region. All right, that actually is a, a fairly good um, lever um, onto the next. Cared. Oh, I, yes. I don't know what the next question is, but I like to respond if I can. Please do. Uh, so, first off, I, I want to state that Town of Salem is not currently played every week. We have a rotation of games that we have, so. While searching for new games is important, and it is an endeavor that all culture should have a good library of games right now, we have enough that we have rotations every two weeks. Uh, we're trying to get it to work so it's about three weeks uh, rotation before we play the same game again, but uh, it doesn't always work out that well. We don't always have radio hosts to do trivia, that sort of thing. Um, so our current game lineup is not as tired and uh, worn out as I think CSP is suggesting. Okay, well, um, I don't think I'm suggesting that it's it's worn out. I'm simply saying that we can make more robust efforts to incorporate, inject new stuff into there more often. Um, and I also think that we can have uh, special gaming events um, that can supplement that, that I think will make for some really interesting uh, opportunities to stream gameplay. Uh, I, I also wanted to address your point of contests. If I can, the contest route has been tried many different times uh, since I've been here, at least. We've had contests in the Aurora Art Gallery. We've had contests in the Writer's Block, both uh, initiative, both areas that you mentioned that were horrible <laughs> failures. And I'm not saying that it'll never work in the future. And I'm not saying that we don't have talented artists. I'm not saying we don't have talented writers. We clearly do. Um, I just feel like contests is the wrong way to approach that. I think a lot of the those areas would be better addressed if we just appointed the director and let their ideas uh, run free in that area. We've seen that work, I think, in different areas in the past where we've had just natural come up uh, of ideas. People are saying, okay, uh, I'm writing a story and I want people to play along with this. 
And then people are like, oh, that's so cool. I want to play along in the story. And like we had uh, Seven Deaths start his Choose Your Own Adventure story. People were really hyped about that. Um, obviously, we would take those and continue them if they start to falter. Or we have uh, different writers who come up with like poems or different things like that. We had a haiku challenge and things like that. And those didn't work, right? Um, because people aren't as motivated to do those contests. So I feel like pursuing contests in particular would be the wrong. Calvin, did we lose our panda? Did we? Ah. No, I, th I think his just last, maybe last word got cut off there, but. Oh, um, can you not hear me right now? I, I can hear can. you again. <laughs> I, I think there are a lot of different ways to do contests. Um, and I'm very excited about um, the individual I've tapped to be my culture minister um, who is undoubtedly one of the most creative folks in our region and has extensive experience in um, other regions, which frankly do uh, certain aspects of the culture game better than that, better than we do. So I'm looking forward to the unique ideas he can bring to the table um, that might make some of those efforts that you talked about more successful. Anything further? Any questions from the yeah. audience? All right, moving on to the next question before either of you two end up accidentally answering it. <laughs> um, so we do see a lot of talk about how the Culture Hub is underused, and I'm interested in your thoughts as to why it is underused. And you've both mostly addressed what we what is needed to bring a change back to using it. Uh, just want to see what your thoughts on why it's underused, and I guess we're starting with CSP. I, that goes back to really a, a common theme, that, that it's not being prioritized. Um, that's not to say that there aren't great priorities coming out of the culture ministry, because there are. <laughs> okay, uh, let's, let's not oversimplify what I'm saying here. Um, I think that being, being president, um, and being a good minister is about setting priorities. Um, and I think that the priorities I've put forth um, are both more specific and more readily attainable than the ones Calvin have put together. Um, he identifies four priorities. One, we're 100% agreed on, which is the incorporation of foreign visitors into foreign games, into weekend games, excuse me. The others, um, frankly, befuddle me a little bit, and, and I, if they're the top priorities, um, it doesn't put it doesn't put a lot of confidence um, on any sort of vision for culture in the next term under Calvin. Um, Survivor is is one of his four priorities. A program that has already been defined is underway and is successful. Um, the other is to bolster Religion Row, which is essentially a, a minor role playing borderline spam part of our forum, and the other is to plan an interregional festival that is in no way defined. Uh, he hasn't told us anything about what the goals are, who might be involved, what a theme might be. Um, a major plank of his culture platform is to simply have an interregional festival. And I don't, I don't think that that measures up. If, if we're going to be talking about uh, having specific plans, um, you know, I, I think that that's a that's a bit of a, a fallacious characterization that's that's seemed to take hold. Galvin? Could you repeat the question, Karen? I just want to clarify we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, so as I was saying, we see, a, we see a lot of talk about the underutilization of the culture hub. 
uh, what are your thoughts on why it is underutilized and what is needed to bring about a change that brings it back to the fore? Yeah, that, that's what I thought the question was, which is uh, interesting uh, why CSP kind of just attacked my platform instead. So to specifically address the cultural hub, I think the reason right now that it's not being utilized is if we look at what the cultural hub is, uh, if we just go down the row here, it's role play and it's spam, art, writer, uh, writer's block, talking about theater and talking about games. So if we look at all of those different things, uh, Euro kind of already does a lot of those on their own, um, but not necessarily in those areas. The ones that I think are the most active are definitely the spam zone and uh, religions row. Uh, to specifically address religion, uh, <laughs> as somebody who's been really involved in the religion row from basically the start, uh, I find CSP's characterization as a, a, a role, slightly role play area that is mostly spam based and therefore is something that is minor and should be ignored. It kind of be like, if we're looking at what the culture of the region is, in his own platform, he talks about how role play is something that we shouldn't ignore. And then he talks about religion as really one of the few places we've seen role play work and saying that should be discounted and we shouldn't use no, that. Like that's, that's, that's not an accurate characterization of what I said. About. Uh, so if you want, I mean, if you want to respond, I guess you can respond. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a mischaracterization of what I said. I think I find it odd that in trying to find four priorities, that was that close to the top. I didn't say that we, the religions row is useless. I said that I don't think it warrants top billing in, in a presidential platform. And I think it's indicative of a lack of direction. Well, I mean, if we want to talk about top billing, like after weekend games, which is something we both agree is something that is the priority, right? That's our first top billing for both of us. Your next priority after weekend games is talking about those contests in the writer's block and Aurora Art Gallery, which, I mean, you've already kind of talked about, like I've, I've talked about why they don't work. And then your response is basically like, well, you know, they might, and then we'll, if they don't, then we'll do something else. Like that's basically the lack of vision right there. Like I, I have a plan for religion row and those sort of things that has shown been shown to work in the past. Yours is not. Interesting. A European debate where we have some contention. Uh, anything further to add, gentlemen, or shall we move on? Audience, any additional questions? Have I just cut out or something? No, I can hear you. Oh, good. Um, I mean, are there any other CSP? culture questions? I think that's... I mean, because I have another thing I'd like to address if I can. All right. Or a, a question, I guess. All so right. I, I, <laughs> I don't. Do we still have CSP? Oh, sorry. I wasn't sure if that was the go-ahead. That was just this, the typical all right. Sorry. I, I'm, just trying, um, I'm just trying to figure okay. out if we still have CSP around. <laughs> I'm here. Oh, good. Okay. So the only other uh, part of your culture platform is roleplay that we haven't really talked about. Um, if you don't think that religion should get top billing in that area, um, what should? Yeah, sure. I think that uh, role play has struggled, put it mildly, um, over the years. Um, and I think that we can put, put some effort into um, creating role plays that are more akin to simulations. 
um, to where a great deal of customization is present in the role play or game, whatever you want to call it that you're playing. Um, but these these theme simulations, role plays, um, won't require um, the traditional amount of time and writing that role plays often do. Um, and I, I think that it's an approach that makes it easier and more fun. I mean, I, I would like to do a, a sort of like Game of Thrones role play or something like that, but I'm not really interested in writing a, a book about it, you know? So if we can use the culture ministry to sort of set up these simulations, allow folks to customize characters and places, what have you, um, and then the culture ministry helps that process play out, moves moves the narrative along. Um, so I think by making it by making it easier to do, um, we have a lot of common uh, interests in this region that we should be using um, to do those kind of th kinds of things. I feel like simulation role play would be a mistake to pursue because we've seen it fail so many times in the past. When? For, okay, I'll give you an example of one, the sports role play, the European Premier League was a sports simulation game that had, you know, when it started a fair amount of interest and really has failed to go anywhere due to a lack of user activity, for instance. Okay, well, I'm not If we want to talk that. about role plays that work, I think really the only role play we've seen work on a long scale has been from religion and that sort of thing, because it's something that doesn't take a lot of effort from that many people and it's kind of easy to just jump in whenever um if you have something that you're basically starting from scratch that's a simulation role play you i mean you have to have so many factors and so many users kind of jump in from the start and sustain it that it hasn't really worked so i i just don't i don't how are these simulation role plays really going to work i mean what what more do you need the the culture ministry designs a simulation and then players customize whatever content is going to be customizable, hopefully it will be heavily customizable. And then the culture ministry takes an active role in guiding the story throughout the process. Okay. Instead of leaving folks, mm -hmm. instead of leaving folks to make up their own narrative throughout. Um, and, you know, I, I don't accept the premise that just because something similar has been tried before, um, once or twice, then it's something that we, you know, would be a waste of time to do. And again, I, I, I'm not trying to discount um, the activity that comes from religion's row. I'm really not. I'm just saying I don't see how that content can can be used uh, to advertise our, our regional culture. That's all, as as opposed to other other uh, components of that culture. And that's why I want to emphasize. Um, the art gallery and the writer's block. And, it, you know, the ultimate goal isn't the contest. The ultimate goal is getting that content so we can push it out. If there's a better way to do it than, than contest, then I'm certainly open to talking about that. Well, I feel like to address the point about religion not being used for advertising regional culture, I'd say it's pretty much one of the few things we can point to as like organic role play regional culture that's grown up and sustained for years. To not tap into that, I think, would be a mistake. I also want to address that I don't think that going after these role plays because they failed once or two times, once or twice, is 
something that we should get in the habit of saying like, well, it failed once or twice, uh, so it shouldn't be pursued. I think the way that it's going to be pursued again is something that we've seen fail and I don't think will work now. I think that the plan for the Aurora's Art Gallery and the Writer's Block, true, the goal isn't the contest, but the goal that you're trying to pursue is through a contest and it's something that we've seen hasn't worked. So I, I just feel like there's a lack of, I don't know, like I don't want to be too harsh. I just feel like there's a lack of understanding about how these, how, how why these things succeed and what gets people, what gets people motivated for them and your answers in this debate. I mean, that's, that's fair. You're, you're welcome to feel that way. Um, and I also don't feel that a completely undefined interregional festival is something that gets people excited either or something that has demonstrated value to the region in the past. So I mean, well, are we, are, are, it's, you know, it's kind of the kind of calling the kettle black on this one. If we want to, I mean, interregional festivals, I think, have had a long history of being successful. If we look at the Winter's Ball, if we look at even our recent Euro 10 celebration, or we look at, at uh, the interregional festival that we had between Allianz and Euro a while ago, this is basically a, a tool that we have at our disposal for a lot of our allies. That's another aspect besides military operation that we can say, okay, let's get together and plan this event. We'll play games, we'll have some speeches, and show everybody that we're still cool, we're still together. I think, I don't, I mean, defining it in the platform is kind of putting the cart before the horse, because uh, we haven't, because I'm not president yet, and I don't have an administration, I think it'd be premature to approach a region saying, hey, if I get elected, would you be willing to do a festival with us? Uh, but if I don't get elected, then uh, deals off, because I have not elected, I, I, I mean, it's in, kind of intentionally vague, but the idea of inter-regional inter festival is something that I think is pretty clear on how it operates because we've done it successfully a lot of times in the past. So, they also comparing have that to your, they, I'm sorry, to comparing, sorry, me, comparing that to your cultural hub plan, which is I think uh, different. It fails in a different way. I think it's disingenuous. Okay. Well, uh, I, they also have long history of falling on their faces and being a drain to activity because they weren't adequately planned for, nor did they serve a targeted purpose. Um, and, and putting it forth as a major campaign plank um, and not elaborating at all about what this festival is supposed to accomplish, um, you know, I, I don't think that you can equate that to um, just not being able to put the details out yet. Is, is, that, is that not a fair thing to say? I think it's unfair to say it's a main platform plank when it's listed four of four out of all of my other things. I also think that You've uh, four things. You've yeah, four things to focus on, and that is one of them. Focus. I'm just saying it's not main. I think really what we've been talking about for the last couple of minutes here, I think, are both near. Not. not we've already addressed the top of our priorities in culture, but um, this is more getting into the nitty gritty. Um, but. To address the other point about interregional festivals falling flat on their face in the past, yes, they have. They certainly have. Um, I think the reason those have failed are for the reasons you state, that they haven't had a clearly defined purpose and they haven't been uh, narrowly, you know, that we're just doing one to do one. Um, I wouldn't be just doing one to do one. I've done this sort of thing as a culture minister. I've done this sort of thing when I was president. I know what these things are for. And I know that once we get going with an interregional festival, any festival is a huge undertaking, um, which is why we won't do a lot of them during my term. And for a long time, we were doing too many in a term because we just had, you know, ovation festivals, we had seasonal festivals, we've had uh, holiday festivals, all those things packed into one term. 
full for this one. I don't want to promise a certain number of festivals, but I want to promise if we do more than one, they're going to be small. This one is also likely going to be small, but it's not going to be insignificant because it represents the ties between two regions. I get so much into the details of what a festival is going to be, who is our partner going to be, and all of those things, because I just I can't give that. And I think it's not really fair to expect anybody to give that at this stage. Um, if, if you want to see what this festival is going to be about, I mean, I mean, you kind of have to look at what festivals are and what's worked. No, I mean, just, it's to some level, it's an aspect of trust just because, I mean, you, you can't give the details for everything in the platform because it's a platform. If you want to see it in action, then, you know, put me in a position where I can do something. These things, uh, I don't know. Quite a nice bit of back and forth going on here. Uh, <laughs> is there anything else, gentlemen? Or shall we move on? I'm ready to move on. I think we've addressed... Uh, Quite thoroughly addressed culture, and I, I was asked a question about foreign uh, foreign affairs integration with culture, and uh, I think you answered that multiple times over. <laughs> uh, all right. Of course, one to which I'm not expecting as much back and forth. Radio, that wonderful medium that we are talking on now. Um, so, as uh, from the executive standpoint, is that what ways can you see to improve our current offerings in radio, and do you see untapped potential in the medium? Uh, Calvin, I think you have to start this time. Sure, okay. Alright, so with radio... First off, I want to say that this has been another successful half term for radio. So kudos to Kat for that. Uh, and radio, I think, and I was just reading it, and I feel like using this line again. So uh, radio is one of the newest kids on the block when it comes to uh, the executive uh, newest kid on the golden block, I guess one could say. Unless you uh, get sued. I might, I might get sued. <laughs> but... Radio, uh, you know, the vision behind it is taking Mixler, something that we use all the time, or we should be using all the time, and putting it in the government's hands so we have a formal role of knowing, you know, how we broadcast our message, who's going to broadcast our message, and when. Um, and then taking the content that we know we should be broadcasting out and actually broadcasting it out. We see very similar goals from the radio ministry that we would from the communications ministry because essentially which is why they were linked for so much of their history when Mixler first was introduced because they work together all the time um, obviously they're not exactly the same which is why they are no longer ministry right now because Mixler is used in every can be used really literally every ministry and it should be and if we don't use it in every ministry then that's something that we need to fix because um, Radio can be this term and uh, or this half term and the previous terms. I think have done a really good job of that. We get people on air who are different. Um, we've had a lot of the same hosts um, before radio was a ministry. We've had varied hosts now. Uh, it's usually a lot of the same people, but we do get newcomers on. We get people to guest on shows. We have a variety of different shows. Even we have Europe Today every week, but we also have trivia nights almost every week. We have foreign affairs talks, we have presidential debates even, you know, all sorts of 
varied content that we can broadcast out. And uh, radio, I think really the, the thing I'd change uh, if I get elected in radio isn't so much a whole, wholesale change because has, excuse me, what we've got has been working. I think I just kind of put it in more places and get more people to access it because this is such a good resource and such a good tool that we have that everybody should be somewhat familiar with it. It should, I'd like us to get to a point where a private newspaper is akin to um, eventually being able, feeling comfortable enough to broadcast yourself on Mixler. I know that's not going to happen and uh, because a lot of people aren't comfortable with the sound of their own voice. They don't have a time commitment to talk to people. They feel shy and those sort of things. But, you know, ideally, um, because private, uh, private media has a role in radio that um, we haven't seen work as well in the past because it's, you know, we have these barriers in place to who can broadcast. And I, I, I agree we should have the, a lot of those barriers in place, but we've also seen what happens when we have too many barriers about, you know, what kind of broadcast and where it goes. Um, get to the point where a lot of people want to broadcast, but it's not possible with the EBC radio account. You know, people have their own accounts. We saw that was the Sopo Shopo or something, or we saw it with some uh, Golden Block Tribune show one time. Eventually they come back to radio because there's not a lot of incentive to do their own show, but you know, we should encourage other people to have their own shows to provide those other or Euro, much like we do with the EBC and private media, something that uh, I think we all agree we really love to see more of uh, both EBC and private media. That's not a slam on the EBC for the record. Uh, I'd even put it in the standard and something like that. We saw a good uh, interview a while ago, like last year, or during our, one of our issues where we interviewed Albion and we had something on there. Foreign guests are another great way we use radio. I mean, the, the long and short of it with this is radio is doing well and I'd kind of just help it do more better next term. <laughs> a presidential debate on Mixler. What daft fool thought that that was a good idea? Uh, CSP, you got a response? Yeah, um, I think that I have, well, first of all, radio is doing tremendously well. Um, and to be able to do that well in such a short time after a prolonged period of problems um, is testament to the incredible administrator uh, that Kat is. Um, her performance in this ministry is one of the major reasons uh, that I chose her to be my running mate. Um, and I think having her in that position is uh, only going to serve to make radio stronger next term. Um, I think the two main priorities for me are one uh, is going to be using microcasts or minicasts um, to break in new hosts. I think the barriers that exist largely have to do with confidence and technical knowledge. Um, these sort of broadcasts will allow um, folks to come in, understand technically how this, these audio interactions work, um, to build confidence and find their own voices before simply throwing them into broadcasts. Um, I applaud the effort to get more folks onto our broadcast, but I think a lot of times um, we're including them um, and then sort of setting them setting them up for failure. So I think that kind of experimentation um, is going to be massively beneficial to folks that want to use this platform. Um, and the second um, is a really big job, 
And that is that I want to broadcast and stream more things that go on in Europia. And the broadcasting capabilities of the Ministry of Radio are going to have to be a part of that project. Uh, any further comments, Calvin? No, I'm good. All right. Uh, audience, again, if you do have any questions, please feel free to send them to me or type them in the Mixler chat. I will ask them. Um, all right. I think both of you have partially answered this question, but uh, oh, let's give it another stab anyway. Uh, activity and general use in radio are very important. Obviously, if it's not working, there's no value. Uh, but of course, even just having a massive amount of activity isn't enough to guarantee success. How do you plan to further capitalize on success on a successful term? Uh, CSP. We're talking about radio. radio specifically. Yeah. Um, well, I think you've you've seen at least people that are within the ministry have seen a great deal of infrastructure that CAT has put in place. Um, that are designed um, to move things along. Um, and my, my hope is that they will continue to be a priority for the next administration. Calvin? So, yeah, I think a lot of the way that we kind of continue the progress is through infrastructure. And I agree, Kat set up a great one in radio. Uh, I further capitalize on it by I guess just using more of the hosts that we have to work with the hosts that want to be hosts, if I can, <laughs> if that makes sense. I know that a few people saying like, oh, I want to be a host or I want to do this, but I don't want to be alone. And a lot of times, you know, it's through schedules or through uh, just lack of initiative. I don't know. We have people who kind of maybe just fall by the wayside. It doesn't happen a lot, but it happens enough that um, it's become a bit of an issue. That's really the only thing I'd uh, build on with next term is just if somebody's showing an interest in doing a show like we had with Metal Box a while ago, we get somebody who knows what they're doing to talk about on the show or to knows what they are doing to go on the show with them and talk about what their show is going to be and you know have them do their show with somebody who knows so more people can host. I mean, that's really the only thing. A lot of it's already in place. Uh all oh, right, uh, CSP. Do you have anything to add or move on? No, I don't. All right. Uh, I think the last radio question because we're starting to run low, and it's it's pretty clear both of you have <laughs> similar standards when it comes to radio. Um, here's a and then uh, here's a wild question. Uh, what do you see as the values that radio should espouse? Uh, well, or should embody, I suppose is a better word. Uh, Calvin's turn, I think, to start. Yeah, Calvin. I think, yeah, I think I answered this a little bit in a previous question. Um, I don't mind saying it again. Uh, the values that radio should espouse are pretty similar to the values that, like, the EBC or something should have. Um, we want to encourage people to put out content. We want to encourage a variation of people to put out that content and we want to have, you know, we want to cover topical stuff, um, historical things. We want to know who people are. So we want to get interviews. We want to have fun. So we want to have pieces that have all those different things come out on radio. So the values that we have 
here are pretty much the values that we have in a lot of other areas of government. You know, we want to put our best foot forward. We want to show that we know what we're doing and that we're professional about it. I think the radio right now is doing a pretty good job of all of those things. We have standards in place for how you should host and what you should do when you're host. And then before it gets published and broadcast, um, or before it gets published, I should say, we take a look over it. We as the radio ministry look at it and, uh, I mean, make sure it falls in line with all of those different things. Uh, controversy, I can really add to this other than that. <laughs> all right. CSP? Yeah, I think that um, radio should really serve as a platform um, for intellectual exchange, um, and I think that it does it in a way um, that is very, very different um, from text-based communication. Um, it should seek to incorporate um, not just professionalism, but also diversity of opinion um, and diverse, uh, diverse, diversity of personalities and backgrounds. Um, I think that radio is it's one, it's one of my favorite things about Europia because I think it brings us together in a way um, that had been impossible um, before radio. Um, so intellectual exchange, um, professional um, publishing, um, personal, personal development, uh, personal development of um, not, not just skills, um, but how how we talk about who we are, what we're trying to do, and what interests interests us, and what we think. All right. Ah, uh, next up, interior. Ah, uh, this is a, <laughs> a complicated discussion. It's always to be had around interior. All right. So, what do you consider our most important tool for integrating new citizens into the community? And I think we're starting with CSP. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm going to alter the question a little bit. Um, I don't think it's about which existing tool is better. Um, I think it's about what de determining what our goals are um, and what the best way to go about that is. Um, when, when, I th when I think about a specific department, I'm not thinking about, you know, how do we ch change this thing that's already there and this thing that's already there? Um, which one of these is what I want to prioritize. I want to find out what the goal is and then think about ways that we can best reach it. Um, I think the best way to reach our goals of creating active um, and productive citizens is to focus on um, what they do, not what they know. So we, we spend a lot of time working on um, guides and training materials, which are all great and all stuff we're going to keep. But I think what we should really be focusing on um, is what these new citizens are doing uh, and how do we help them do it. So my plan is to create a system under which we map out what um, folks can best do and should be doing in their first 60 days in Europia. Um, and that's not going to be a static plan. Um, or Excuse me, that's not the term I want to use. Um, this plan can change um, as time goes by, as we learn new things about it, um, and as our priorities shift, as our manpower needs shift. Okay, so maybe somebody shows up um, and they get a list of things to, well, first we will ask them about their interests, right? The CSO um, 
application shouldn't just be, you know, what's your name? What do you want to do? It should be trying to figure out who you are. What are you into? Um, there will be a list of um, actions that one can take. Um, so what does that mean? Some of them are very simple. Um, upload an avatar, post an introductory post. You'll probably get a lot more points for applying for citizenship. Um, you'll get uh, points for posting in the Republic Square about uh, one of your interests. You'll get points for applying to the Reserve Squadron, right? And those actions are going to be specific um, to someone who just got here. Um, and there will be milestones into which, you know, these tasks become progressively, you know, not necessarily more difficult, but more time consuming, more advanced. Um, and we'll, we'll be offering incentives at each of one of those milestones. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I have the incentivization uh, scheme completely planned out because offering quality incentives is something that's extremely challenging and something that, you know, takes a great deal of thought. Um, but that's that's the basic idea. Um, and of course, we'll be we'll be suggesting, uh, you know, of the entire menu, we'll say based on your interests, these are this is probably where you want to start. Galvin? I think I'll probably also end up changing the question by the end of this. No, no uh, insult to whoever submitted this, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Blame Sopo. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing with interior, I think when we're looking at, you know, what's the best about interior, I think is definitely just the wealth of information that is contained by the workers of the ministry and just you can go to our resources for newcomers right now and you can find so much that tells you what each ministry does what the ca does what the senate does and you know even a little more than that right so you can find a lot of that stuff if you know where to look um and i think that's uh, a little spoiler alert of what we want to fix is not so much like forum restructuring or something like that because i mean you know a lot of it's at the top of the forum you can click on the newcomer handbook and find it all there but i think if we're, if we're talking about that just the best we have to do a shout out to just how much how many hours have gone into collecting that information and making it so user friendly um what i think we can improve on is getting first people to that information and then once they get there basically you know along the same lines as what csp is suggesting um, telling them how to actually implement that into their actual forum life, you know? So I read, like, I, okay, I'm interested in uh, communications, right? I want to write. So I go and I tell that to, I fill up my little CSO application, say, I'm interested in communications. I've always been a writer, blah, 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 blah. All right, so somebody is tapped who's like, who has written in nation states and in Euro and knows how to make that process happen, what's involved, those sort of things. We put them in contact with them, and the person's like, hi, I want to start writing in Euro. Oh, great. I started when I was uh, my first week, and I put up my own private paper, and I started talking about just stuff that's going on in the region, and you know, so on and so forth, about whatever is specific to their interests. Uh, the information for a lot of that is kind of there already in our guides, but it's tough to take that next step and really think of it of like, well, how do I put it into my actual existence here? And that's the next step that we need to take. All right. Uh, can you two hang around for uh, 
a little while longer. We're almost out of this broadcast. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll be right back. I'm just going to make sure we don't run out of time during the middle of someone's interesting uh, answer. Kind of has to be. I mean, yeah, with I all the stuff around it. Euro debates. Thanks for um, doing this, Carrot. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to be cutting out so many snippets. Hello, we are back. Hopefully you can all hear us, and holy cow, looks like we've got almost 10 seconds of latency. <laughs> oh, this is great. <laughs> um, Alright, so hopefully we're back. So, <sighs> Okay, so we just answered about what you two feel is important to integration. And the question was altered. Sorry, Sopo. <laughs> they answered the question they wanted. <laughs> oh, why have I got that question doubled up? All right. That's... <laughs> All right, another hashtag blame Sopo question. Do we do enough to engage game-side nations in the region? Uh, and if not, what can we use to better engage with them and possibly lure them onto the forum side? Uh, I think it's, yeah, Calvin to start. I should state for this one that um, it's tough to know what's enough, right? Uh, we do a lot to engage game side nations. We have automa uh, automated telegrams as soon as a nation joins our region, if they have telegrams enabled. And then a month later, we send them another telegram saying, hey, We've been here a month. Let's you know. Let's make the most of this. Blah blah blah. Stuff like that. We post a lot of dispatches. Almost, I mean, almost every day we have some new dispatch coming up. We have things that are active both in the RMB and the forum, or at or at least read both. Um, but you know, it's not really fair to say that Europia is the most engaged with game side that we could be. Uh, especially in terms of actually getting a lot of our nations from the RMB, from answering issues to joining our forum. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of citizens, even though we have almost 2,000 citizens, uh, two, oh, almost 2,000 nations, because you know we don't know how many of those are independent of just one person. We don't know how many of those actually want to join the forum first off. But what we can look at is a lot of the people who are posting a lot and active in the RMB but aren't posting a lot and active in the forum. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, why? Why is that? It could be a number of reasons, and it, it likely is a number of reasons, uh, unique to each person. But generally, I think what, what concerns we've seen in the past come up are, it seems like when the government does interact with the RMB and GameSide Nations, it's pretty transparent that it's like a forced effort of like, okay, this term, we told ourselves we're going to be active in the RMB, and well, here we are, right? Uh, it's not a lot of organic stuff. In, in a lot of the same way that we want to generate culture activity, uh, we want this kind of stuff to come up naturally. So the people that are already engaged in the RMB are probably the best people to, you know, point the people in the right direction, if the right direction is towards the forum, which, of course, we think it is. But... Not everybody needs to join the forum, I guess I should clarify, but most should. It's really cool. I think you're all already sold. I don't need to sell you. But I'll also ties in with just having a more active voice in general. Uh, 
in these sort of areas to show once again that Euro is a cool place and a good place and getting more involved is better because we have a lot to offer and you know a lot of people might not know that we try a lot we have a lot of the same information on the forum in dispatches we have a lot of the newcomers handbook there we have top 10 reasons to join Euro and we have so many guides to everything but you know how many people actually look at that um, and we can't just spam all the time look at this it's a great resource because then we'd just be spamming and we have a rule against that so the conclusion I guess here for this answer is just actually want to take a look at the people and the nations that are game side and really draw them here we have to be putting our best foot forward there just like we would on the forum because a lot of the same people that join from the RMB to the forum want the same things that the people who are already on the forum want. So we shouldn't really be treating them as a whole separate group, a whole separate subsection because they're not, they're people just like us. All right, CSP. Yeah, uh, I would start by um, simply stating that our game side efforts should be focused on either bringing people to the forums and generating forum activity or encouraging participation in the world assembly. Um, if it doesn't have to do with those two things, I'm not terribly interested in it. Um, and the, the short and not very sexy answer to your original question is yes. I, I do think we, we do a sound job of engaging people game side. Um, and the, the way forward is really on the margins, bolstering, um, our, our dispatches, making sure that they're, they're the best they can be, um, you know, uh, putting a lot of effort into the World Assembly Advancement Program. Um, but, you know, beside that, um, I would like to see a little bit more of, um, or less of, I'd like to see less of, these are six great things about Europia, like these are all the things you can do. And maybe try doing more. Hey, can you sh can you show up for this thing on this day at this time? Um, but beyond that, I think that opportunities game side um, are essentially on the margins, and that's not very sexy policy. And I apologize. All right, we have a follow up from um, from Lethen, and came in while Callan was giving his answer. In the last couple of days, a member posted something critical of the region's political environment and community on the regional message board. Uh, should there be a government post in response, or should it always be dealt with organically? Uh, Calvin? Okay, so I'm looking at the quote that Drex has posted in the Mixer chat, and I'm assuming that is the correct Yes, quote. that is. Okay, so when we have somebody post something like that, <laughs> and uh, it's not casting our region in the best light. I think hopefully that people already know that that's not true um, because clearly that's not what Europia is. We are a region that encourages the success of everybody regardless of your skill set. And I think the, that's true even if they're not on the forum just because of the image we've cultivated. We, uh, we have a lot that we succeed at. And I think one of the better things that we succeed at is people who complain about why the region doesn't work for them or how they've been wanting to succeed for so long and things don't work out. I think we can kind of, you know, put on our thinking caps here, maybe put two and two together 
and the problem deals with itself one way or the other. If we see a statement like that and the government kind of just jumps on them every chance we get uh, to say, no, you're wrong. Well, I mean, if they really are wrong, then other people will say that for us and other people will, will know that they're wrong. But if we have to keep telling them words, right? I mean, we shouldn't have to tell them that they're wrong. They should know. And uh, let's see, uh, this another part of the question, I think. I'm, I mean, yeah, I guess that is all the question. So I'm, I'm good. Oh, okay. Uh, CSP, did you have any response to that? Um, I mean, j just very briefly, I mean, uh, we're talking specifically about the regional message board. Um, so it's sort of a different answer than you get for a lot of other things. I think it depends on what's said. Um, I don't think it's a good idea to just depend on people to um, correct damaging misconceptions. I think that in most cases, um, it's worth worthwhile um, and beneficial to to correct the record. Um, that being said, if it's specific to the regional message board, I don't know how practical it is um, to have somebody uh, whose job it is to be doing that. Um, just, I, I, I'm not sure that I want to use finite time to be um, rebutting the RMB. Uh, all right. I think we've uh, finished with <laughs> I think we've finished with the interior questions. They certainly seem to have answered everything I had written down. Um, all right. Uh, well, the assembly. Uh, again, thanks, Supper, for this first question. I I don't pay much attention to the World Assembly, so he threw some questions my way. Um, how will you address the issues brought up by uh, WAD Trinian in his 100-day speech? Uh, CSP? Yeah, um, I have been, throughout its lifetime, critical of the WA ministry. Um I think that it is, if not impossible, um, unsustainable for there to be two competing authorities um, and agendas represented by the president's cabinet pick and the WA delegate. That doesn't mean that it always exists, that that contention always exists, but it is something that will keep popping up over time and it will keep causing problems. Um, there needs to be a clearly definable chain of command and in my opinion um, the buck should stop with the president and this is why I think that the way we vote um, in the World Assembly um, and our involvement in general in the World Assembly has uh, foreign policy ramifications and that is the president's job so my plan is not to scrap the ministry um, but to use it this term um, to settle this once and for all um, and do what we need to do to bring the WA delegate um, into the fold, sub subordinate to the president and his agenda. Um, I do believe that answers your original question, which I can no longer remember. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think it does. Um, Calvin. It's going to be boring on this one. I'm just putting that out there. A lot of what I'm going to say is pretty much what CSP has already said. Uh, Trin's speech is 
I, I think is, was adequately addressed by both of our platforms. I'm being honest. I think we both definitely took influence from that. And it's, the chain of command isn't clear, I think, with a lot of what the world affairs, or sorry, world assembly affairs ministry currently does. It's been a lot of wishy-washy, well, we do this, but the delegate can still do this. And it's not always clear what our goal is that we're pursuing in the world assembly. That can't happen anymore. I mean, we've got enough on our hands that is difficult. We don't need to make difficulties for ourselves. Um, I think the chain of command needs to be clear uh, with what I'm, what I want to do in the next administration with world assembly is I agree with CSP, the buck stops with the president, right? I mean, when we have any foreign affairs sort of objective, including World Assembly, the president needs to have their finger on the pulse. The president needs to be aware of what's going on and then direct their ministers or deputies to carry out the goals that Euro has. This hasn't been done very well with the World Assembly ministry as it currently stands, but that doesn't mean we ditch it. Um, it's a good tool for getting people involved in World Assembly. It's just been kind of mismanaged. Uh, and I think it's something that would be fixed under the next administration because, you know, we're not going to push it to the wayside and, and kind of assume that world will uh, itself out. All right. Uh, <laughs> audience, if you do have any questions, please do submit them to myself or post them in the chat. We are coming... Coming swiftly to the end of all the questions I had, especially since our candidates seem to be particularly efficient at answering multiple questions, even the ones I haven't yet asked. Um, all right. Uh, again, hashtag blame Sopo if you disagree with the World Assembly questions. Uh, will the delegates play a larger role in the formation formulation of strategy? for the World Assembly or Foreign Affairs? Uh, Calvin, I think you're first. Okay, yeah. The delegate, I think, is someone who doesn't really get utilized, oddly enough, enough in the planning of World Assembly stuff done by the administration because uh, they haven't really been a member of the administration so far. In my platform, I put forward the plan that um, the delegate was actually going to be a member of the cabinet. Uh, I meant to make this announcement in the platform, but since it was decided just a little bit ago, I thought it'd be a little more dramatic to announce it during the debate. I'll also make a little post about it after the debate for anyone who misses it or doesn't listen to the audio later. I'm going to change that plan a little bit. Um, Trinian and I have talked. Um, there will be another minister who isn't actually in charge of the Ministry of World Assembly, not the delegate himself. But I will say that I will be in pretty good contact with Trin as the delegate to sort out what the delegate wants and what the president wants. However, if those two come in any conflict, um, I mean, ultimately, the, the president has their World Assembly ministry to carry out their goal, and the delegate is has, has the delegate to carry out their role. If there's a conflict between the two, we need to sort that out, meaning there needs to be communication between the two parties. We can resolve that so we don't have too many heads. Uh, saying one thing about what Euro wants to pursue on the World Assembly stage because then nobody knows what Euro wants to pursue on the World Assembly stage, and that's bad. <laughs> so it's very important that we bring in the delegate to the discussions as part of the team so they don't pursue their own independent agenda because that helps no one for the region. 
and the world assembly is pretty pretty important part of gameplay that hasn't really been fleshed out as much in our policy as it should be our policy being euros not my personal policy just <laughs> to clarify this is csp kellen hits on a good point there at the end um i think what what i'm talking about um and i'm not going to put words in his mouth but i think what calvin is also talking about is not removing responsibility from the delegate it's removing authority and, and prerogative from the delegate and placing that where it ultimately belongs um so we're not talking about marginalizing the delegate we're talking about um making sure that we know where authority is coming from and that it's coming from the appropriate place um and i think we agree that the appropriate place for it to come from is the president now you would think that that might be a bit of a fight um but actually i'm very optimistic um because i think trin is on board i think he wants a solution um and i don't think that he's particularly um married to any one course of action he just wants a productive relationship with the executive and he wants to answer these questions um he and i work very well together we've had a lot of discussions about this topic in in the uh in recent days so i'm very confident um that with that if we make this a priority this is something we can solve in the next term yeah, I think we're mostly in agreement on this one. <laughs> Boo. All right. Moving on to the last question that I have. Of course, in previous times we had seen the Navy suffer a little bit significantly due to um, inactivity. Uh, but this last term has been excellent for the Navy in regaining a lot of the ground lost. Oh, uh, what can be done better in coming terms, and what should we be looking at as a particular? What particular point could be a weakness that needs to be addressed as soon as possible? And given that you're both uh, fairly familiar with the Navy, I hope there's something more than just <laughs> a two-word answer from both of you. Uh, CSP, Mr. Grand Admiral. Absolutely. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to trying to get tomorrow's text-based debate in line here. Um, so I think that uh, our efforts to revive the Navy throughout uh, this term have been robust, and so too must be um, our pursuit of the next step going forward. Um, and it's really centered in a few main priorities. Um, the first is to make naval service easy. I've identified 12 training foci um, that we are going to be incorporating into guides, but they're not going to be like the guides we have now. They're going to have a video component. Um, so I will be, uh, will not just be providing the text-based educational material. I will also be personally walking through these skills with folks. Four of those 12 are going to be um, the sort of basic training that once once you complete these four, you're good to go. And if you never want to learn another thing about the Navy, which you know we always hope that's not the case, but you could you could still be a productive member, um, and that process should take one hour collectively. Um, the second is to advertise naval service as a hands-on uh, foreign affairs training which it absolutely is um, and it, it may be um, 
one of the ways that's most most obviously uh, just that. Um, you meet stakeholders from different regions. Um, you learn a skill that is valued in pretty much all gameplay regions. Um, and you learn more about uh, what makes these different types of regions tick, how they do things. And also why what we do is special because it's different. Third is super important um, and something that we talked about a lot on the Navy broadcast the other day is to make sure more of our senior officers are um, not just able to lead their own raids, but that they are. Um, traditionally, you've seen the Grand Admiral take the lead in the vast, vast, vast majority of operations. I, I will consider it a personal failure um, if that is the case next term. Um, I think that the fun part about military gameplay um, is a lot of the scouting and the triggering um, and playing around with admin controls. I don't want people to join the Navy just to stay up late and push a couple of buttons. Um, I want them to get the full experience that I get, that I love, that I keep coming back to, um, the part that hasn't got boring for me in the past seven and a half years. Um, so that's that's going to be a huge focus for me going forward. Um, and also coming back to that aggressive schedule of operations, and I just want to be specific about what that means. Um, myself, my Minister of Foreign Affairs, and my Grand Admiral are actually going to take a calendar and we're going to say during this span of time, this is what needs to be accomplished. This is who we want to work with and simply go through our time in office um, and determine when the best opportunities for working with certain partners in what way will work best. Um, we're not just going to take things as they come and hope they work out. Um, it's going to be very regimented and it is going to be aggressive. Um, and finally, just we've we've failed this term and this is a failure of mine um, that I will fully own up to. We have failed to get a lot of high profile or any high profile occupations done this term. It hasn't been for a lack of trying. Um, it's just something that we have failed to do. Um, and it's, it's something that is not going to be the case next term. I am determined um, that we will, yes, maintain uh, a lot of tag operations, which help us train, which keep us sharp. Um, but we're also going to be focusing a lot more on those high profile occupations, which ultimately is the bread and butter of how our Navy affects our foreign policy. All right, Calvin. I hate to ask you this one more time, Kurt, but uh, it's been a while since I've heard it. Could you please repeat the question? <laughs> uh, we've seen a very active term from the Navy after uh, some terms of stagnation and in activity, uh, what can we do better to make better use of the Navy, and what do you what do you see as a particular weak point of the Navy right now? Right, right. Okay, so I will also add to the chorus of saying that this has been a pretty good term uh, for the for the European Navy. I think it's been particularly strong in that we've had a lot of. <clears throat> We've had a good amount of operations, actually. Uh, we can always do more, and I'm sure we will do more, uh, regardless of uh, who's who's elected as president. I think we both want to do more. Uh, we've, we've talked a lot about in this debate and in other broadcasts and ad nauseum how important the Navy is to our foreign affairs, to our region's perception abroad, and to our region's you know, perception of fun and culture and all those things. 
And it is, it is really fun. And it's a good part of our culture that a lot of newcomers really latch onto once they get involved. They really like all the salutes and they like all the ranks and that's important, you know, that can't be discounted and it hasn't been, but um, it's just, you know, something that needs to be acknowledged. I, I also agree with the CSP that we need more people leading different uh, or triggering and scouting all these different operations. I think it's something that we gives a particularly good strength from the triggering seminar that uh, I think has kind of maybe fallen a little through the cracks this term. Um, if, if I can uh, a weakness in this term, it, it'd be that in addition to the thing that CSP has already talked about. Uh, in my platform, I talk about how I'd like to get some of those educational materials that we have through the triggering seminar and make it less totally reliant on being online for a one-on-one -on -one, uh, mentor with a teacher and instead have a sort of guide that you can read to prep yourself for uh, triggering seminars. In the end, you'd probably still have to go through the triggering seminars because and there's no substitute for an actual teacher and we have no shortage of people who know what they're doing in the triggering and scouting department that could easily lead one of these. But it can't hurt, I think, to have a, sort of a follow along textbook. So if you forget something during one of the seminars and you uh, wanna refer to something with pictures or, or even a video CSP says, it's good to take that knowledge and kind of put it in an institution that we have hidden away in the naval records or whatever that our students can look at for, you know, whenever they trigger the next operation that they will be triggering or we have senior officers, they can look at those sort of things and trigger themselves because we wanna encourage as many people trigger as we can because, you know, like CSP said, that's fun. That's really a lot of the fun of the Navy in addition to everything else. Um, there's been, I mean, there's, there's been a lot that's worked this term and there's been a little that hasn't, I think we, I don't, I, I, I'm using we, but I think it's something that we both agree on. It's just, I mean, you know, the Navy works for the reason that we've talked about and we want to do more of that so we can continue having a better Navy and having more fun. All right, have we got anything else? I'm not seeing any questions from the audience, and I have, I think, officially exhausted my list. Um, Did we ever talk about communications? I didn't get any recommendations, and I couldn't think of any... <laughs> I, I couldn't think of any good questions for communications. Uh, All right. You know, hopefully you'll get that in the text debate later. Yeah, should we plug that now, I guess? Yes, there will be a text debate. Um, CSP, I believe you, one of you two knows more about it than I do. Uh. Yes, so tomorrow night um, at, I believe, 10 p.m. Eastern, there will be a text debate taking place in the debate channel on Discord. It will include all three candidates, and it will be uh, moderated by Writing Legend himself. Oh, you poor bastards. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully he took down notes during all the questions that were asked here. We don't get the same stuff plus kaboom. Because, you know, as lovely as kaboom is, I don't want to do all the exact same stuff again. Yeah. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to us drone on for two and a half hours. Uh, uh, really, we need to learn how to be more succinct. I'm sure we could have boiled this down to a mere two hours. Uh, we certainly did see a nice, interesting bit of back and forth over culture. Uh, 
Uh, well, thank you to Calvin and CSP. I will be posting the questions on Kaboom's platform shortly, and we'll probably be linking him little clips of interesting answers that I think he should re uh, that he should respond to if he wishes. Uh, so have a good night, ladies and gentlemen, and stay safe. Don't go mad.